Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, sermon videos, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called The Resurrection Body. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 as we now look at the nature of the resurrection body. You might recall last time we were together, Paul talked about the implications or application of the resurrection. And he was saying, if the resurrection is true, we should have resurrected priorities. And there we looked at the controversial subject of the baptism for the dead. What is that? And if you weren't here last week, you're going to have to go back and listen to that message. And Paul's bringing up my glasses as we speak. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. When we talked about the application of the resurrection, we also looked at a famous verse that many of you know, 1 Corinthians 15, that bad company corrupts good morals. And so we looked at some of the doctrinal and the life application, um, kind of like how should I live in response to the reality of resurrection? And now we're gonna, we're gonna deal with the question of how is the resurrection possible? You could call this message about the mechanics of the resurrection. In the Greek mind, they embraced something called Greek dualism that went back to Plato. And they believed that basically the, the soul needed to escape from the body. And so the idea that a body would be resurrected was almost anathema to the Greek mind. They, they couldn't make sense of it. They didn't understand that because they had been taught in their religious philosophical circles that you want to escape from your body, that the body is some sort of prison. But in 1 Corinthians 6.19, you guys might remember that Paul said, no, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. In fact, the treatment of the body in Judaism and then in early Christianity kind of continued that and you guys know that there was great care taken of the body. You can see this in the burial of Jesus where he's buried. And you know the great care that went into taking care of the body. And the reason that this was done is because in, uh, in the Jewish faith, in the idea of the Old Testament scriptures, there was the hope of the resurrection. Now you guys might remember that when Jesus interacted with people, even as he went to the tomb of Lazarus, uh, people were, the, the, they believed in a last day's resurrection. Oh, I, I know my brother will rise on the last day. And that's when Jesus famously said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother is going to rise. And he called to the other side of the tomb. Kind of a preview of what's coming in the future when the Son of God calls to the other side of the grave and he will get an answer. Now, let's, let's pray as we consider the resurrection body. Father, thank you for, once again, each and every person who's here, those who may listen to this message later. This is a message about hope beyond the grave. So many of us have experienced standing in a graveyard and wondering if that's the end of the story, if death indeed has the final word. And we've often said from this pulpit that death does not have the final word, Jesus does. And we're so grateful for that. In fact, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And so we're so grateful, but we want to understand a little bit more about how the resurrection body works. What will that be? 
And that's indeed what we're going to tackle this morning. We need all the help we can get. I need all the help I can get. So, Father, would you just uh, speak through me? Let it be your voice and not mine. And let us have ears to hear what you would say that might bring comfort and encouragement to your people. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Someone's written, there's a preacher of the old school, but he speaks as boldly as ever. He's not popular, though the world is his parish, and he travels to every part of the globe and speaks in every language. He visits the poor, calls upon the rich, preaches to people of every religion and no religion. The subject of his sermon is always the same. He's an eloquent preacher, often stirring feelings which no preacher could, bringing tears to the eyes that never weep. His arguments none are able to refute, nor is there any heart that has remained unmoved by the force of his appeals. He shatters life with his message. Most people hate him. Everyone fears him. His name is Death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. Every newspaper prints his text. And someday, every one of you will be his sermon. The question that we need to wrestle with is, will he ever be silenced? Will there ever be a time when death will be no more? When he will no longer have a say over our lives? When people will no longer have to live their lives in the fear of death? You know, each time we hear about something happening in our country where lives have been taken, the question arises again and again and again. It's a very personal question. Tennyson, the famous poet, after losing a close friend to death, sat on the seashore. He wrote these words, Oh, for the touch of a vanished hand and the sound of a voice that is now still. Death's sudden arrival many times in life is very hard to take, and it makes us wrestle with some very big questions, uh, questions that nobody can avoid. And the question that really, as Christians, we have to ask is, are there really satisfying answers to this uh, dilemma that we all face? And the answer is there are satisfying answers. Paul opens the section in verse 35. You take a look with me in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 15, 35, with, but someone will say, how or in what way are the dead raised and with what kind of body that word for body bible students is soma in greek s-o-m-a this is the first mention of body in the section of what kind of body do they come now the question if you're taking notes with me paul begins with a skeptical question about the resurrection how could this be or how does this work some of you may remember that when Jesus was in the temple area, uh, wave after wave of political and religious leadership were coming to him, and one of the groups that came to him was the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the uh, aristocratic leaders of Israel. They were the naturalists of the day. They were religious, but they were anti-supernatural in really every area of doctrine. And they denied the resurrection. So they came to Jesus and they knew that he believed it and taught it. So they said, let me tell you a story. There is this woman and she's married to one man and she, that husband dies and then she remarries the brother and the brother dies and then seven people have her. In the resurrection, dun, 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 whose wife shall she be? For they all seven had her 
<laughs> Let's see what it says. And Jesus said, you don't understand the scriptures, nor do you understand the power of God. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but they are like the angels. And Jesus goes on to say, don't you know, have you not read, God is the God of the living and not the dead at the Mount of Transfiguration, you may remember that when Jesus was metamorphosized, kind of a foretaste of the coming glory, there was Moses and Elijah that appeared on the mountain. Further evidence that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Moses is alive. His body was buried, yes. The Bible even says that God buried him. But he is very much alive in the presence of Almighty God. Just like every believer of all time, to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. There is a period of time where we are absent from the body if we die or when we die, but a new body is coming. And a skeptical question is, well, how? What does this look like? And remember the Greek mind, this was hard for them to imagine. Now, when Paul was going around the Roman world and he's preaching in all these different locations, there was nothing in Paul's message that stirred people like his preaching of the resurrection. Let's take a look just at a few examples. We're going to the book of Acts, which is just a little bit back in your Bibles. We're going to go to Acts 17. Paul is uh, in the area of Athens, Greece, a place full of idolatry, full of all kinds of new fangled ideas about what people believe about this or that. And this is Acts 17. Let's pick it up in verse 18. It says, And also some of the Epicurean, Acts 17, 18, and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. And some were saying, What would this idle babbler wish to say? Others were saying, He seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus, which your Bible say? and the resurrection. Now, as Paul goes up on the Areopagus, up on Mars Hill, where they had kind of a, a place to discuss these things, Paul preaches a sermon, and he concludes with these words, verse 30, Acts 17, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent, because he, God, has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. It seemed like each time Paul would go to the resurrection, people would then have this weird response. And part of this, I think, was because of the Greek influence and the dualistic thought about the soul escaping the body. Go all the way to Acts 24. Acts 24. Paul had a couple of encounters before governors and kings. Here's one of them. Uh, I think this one is before Felix the cat or the rat. Acts 24. Look at verse 20. Paul's defending himself. He says, or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council. Other than for this one statement, which I shouted out while standing among them, for the resurrection of the dead, I'm on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off 
saying, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Well, folks, this is Pastor Michael, and hey, I want to express my appreciation on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth and uh, just the the wonderful things that have been going on in this radio ministry. Many of you have reached out to us recently. You've uh, joined us in listening to podcasts. You've given to the ministry, and we deeply appreciate it. And I have to tell you that this is not my favorite topic, but we have to talk about it, and it is the topic of money. And here's the deal. We are at our fiscal year as a ministry, and so we look at everything, and we have to look at what radio stations we're going to remain on. And just to be blunt with you, we're going to have to make some tough decisions unless we get more support. And so if you've been thinking about supporting us, if you're able to give us either monthly support or a one-time gift that could help boost us, we want to add and we don't want to subtract. And I'm just putting it on the table here, but um, we do have to make some tough decisions if we don't have more support. And so that's just the way it is. That's the reality of life. That's the reality of that radio time does cost. And so if you're being blessed by this program, I'm just going to ask you to prayerfully consider reaching out to us today. We do need to hear from you soon uh, because we are going to be making some decisions about uh, where we continue to broadcast. So reach out to us at walkintruth.com. You can give online there, walkintruth.com, or call us at 844-48-TRUTH. Would you also do me a favor and be praying? Be praying that God will give us wisdom on what we should be doing and be praying that the Lord would bring in the support so that we can keep going. We, we have a passion to do what we're doing. We deeply appreciate your partnership with us. So reach out to us. We'd appreciate it. Walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. We appreciate you very much. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lentz, right here on Walk in Truth. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. But others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. It seemed like each time Paul would go to the resurrection, people would then have this weird response. And part of this, I think, was because of the Greek influence and the dualistic thought about the soul escaping the body. Go all the way to Acts 24. Acts 24. Paul had a couple of encounters before governors and kings. Here's one of them. Uh, I think this one is before Felix the cat or the rat. Acts 24, look at verse 20. Paul is defending himself. He says, or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council. Other than for this one statement, which I shouted out while standing among them. For the resurrection of the dead, I'm on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off 
saying, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. And then finally, over to Acts 26, Paul before King Agrippa powerfully shares his personal testimony of meeting the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. And he says these words, Acts 26, pick it up at 22. So having obtained help from God, I stand this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses, 26, 22, said was going to take place. That the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, talking about the, uh, the Messiah and his death and resurrection, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. Earlier in the chapter, take a note, verse 8, Paul says, why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Do you believe Genesis 1-1, brothers and sisters? Do you believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? That God said to light, you're going to be. And light said, okay. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. That the waters, God said to the waters, stop right there. And the water went, Yes, Master. <laughs> this is the being that we're dealing with. But people have questions about the resurrection. For example, is the resurrection like a bad zombie movie? When you're talking about dead people coming out of tombs after hundreds and perhaps thousands of years, is it something like, come forth, and people are like, like one of those bad zombie movies? Time out. If that's the resurrection, please know. And that's what people were wondering. And maybe you guys hear uh, Bible Answer Man kind of shows and people call in and say, well, how does it work? What if somebody was blown up in a war or eaten by a shark or, you know, bodies do deteriorate. You know, they, they show skeletons and things like this as bodies have been in the ground for not that very long. How could this work? What are the mechanics? The New Living Translation says, someone may ask, how will the dead be raised and what kind of bodies will they have? Do you see in your Bible where it says someone? We don't know who the someone is. This may be a kind of a rhetorical device, not a specific person in the Corinthian church, but you know, kind of like if you're giving a speech and you might say, someone may ask, and then you say as a speaker, I'm glad you asked. I think that's what Paul may be doing here. It may not be an individual that he's thinking of, although this may be uh, an issue in the, the Corinthian congregation, but it's a rhetorical device to answer a question about how this could be. Is the resurrection intelligible? Is it intellectually honest? If it is, we should be able to walk it out. We should be able to understand how it works and maybe even see some examples in the natural world. When the body of the founder of Rhode Island, Roger Williams, was disinterred, it was exhumed or dug up, it was discovered that roots of a nearby apple tree had grown through his coffin. To some degree, says this writer, the people who ate the apples partook of his body. In short, 
this will ruin your donut. The food that we eat is part of the elements of the bodies of generations long ago, close quote. And all God's people said, gross. What are you talking about? Well, this may help you diet, uh, for those of you who are trying to lose some weight. But the question is simply this. We know people are cremated. We know bodies are lost at sea, blown up, etc., etc. Even the example I just read. How will God raise them and, if you will, put them back together? What we have to get out of our minds is putting them back together. This is not going to be a patchwork job. And we'll dig that out in a little bit. Paul's response to the person saying how, he opens with, you fool. Verse 36. Uh, it's always good to open an argument. Somebody has a question and call them a dummy. You dummy. Their ears are really open and perceptive. No, I'm just kidding. That's usually not the best way to go. But that's Paul. He says, you fool. The fool is opposite of the wise man. The fool in the Bible says in his heart, Psalm 14:1, there is no God. The fool in this context is one who doesn't take God and the power of God into account. That's the problem with the natural mind. Jesus said, you don't know the, the power of God's word. You don't know the, the scriptures and the power of God. That's your problem, Sadducees. You don't believe in the supernatural God, apparently, who made heaven and earth. Otherwise, you would have no problem with the resurrection doctrine. See, the fool in his heart is the one who dismisses God. He must explain away the parting of the Red Sea and the virgin birth because it's not within his realm. He has, he has made up his mind to dismiss the supernatural. Well, if you do that, you're going to have to just put aside your Bible then. And that's what a lot of people are doing. This idea of fool, aphron in Greek, is one who is stupid, ignorant, even egotistical. Sometimes I hear people pontificating about how they believe the resurrection is a metaphor or it was just, you know, the Jews trying to write a story about this or that. And I'm like, just wait until you get to a point where you're going to need this doctrine. It, it, it's easy to be proud when you don't need God, right? But even atheists, have you ever heard them call out to God in a moment of crisis? Oh, we all know. But, but some people want to just sit there and dismiss God and sound like they're smart because they've been on the planet for 40, 50, 60 years, right? And, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying you're a foolish person because you are not taking God into account. Luke 1.37, for nothing will be impossible with God. God is the God of the possible. Do you believe it? That's who you worship. That's why Jesus walked out of his own tomb. And that's why we have hope beyond the grave. Paul uses something we know to explain something we don't know. And he's going to start with this idea of plant life. He says, you fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. This is the idea of botany. Paul's use, first example, if you're taking notes with me, is from the world of botanical uh, production. <laughs> 
I was just, I recently did a wedding and we were in a botanical area, beautiful flowers. And think about all the different trees and flowers that there are. How many of you ever did a project in school where you did a, you planted something and then you waited for it to grow? Anybody? No, none of you went to school? Okay. How many of you will not raise your hand no matter what I say? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Although you just raised your hand, so I don't know. But anyway. You're listening to The Resurrection Body, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 15. Just a reminder, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you'd like on podcast. You can listen to our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can listen to previous programs too. There's a lot to listen to whenever it's convenient for you. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast in your car, on your walk, or whenever you feel like it. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth program on your favorite podcast app. And now, just so you know, Pastor Michael's a little under the weather right now, and I'm sure he would appreciate your prayers. Now, I want to reassure you that it's nothing serious, but Pastor Michael would like you to know that his heart and his prayers are with you and your family. Now, the world may feel like it's spinning out of control, and for a lot of people, it actually is, but Pastor Michael would urge you to take this downtime to be with the Lord, to read the Bible, have some prayer time, fellowship with your loved ones. You'll find peace resting with Jesus. And if you're feeling under the weather, Pastor Michael and all of us here at Walk in Truth are praying for you, so... God bless you and your family. Now, make sure you listen tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called The Resurrection Body. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.